You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Today is our final service in the book of Colossians. Um, and uh, it, it's a great passage of scripture because it's the final greetings from all these guys. Um, and so it's one of those things that when, when God says all scriptures God breathed, I said, okay, Lord, you're going to really have to breathe something into this. Um, because it's, as you'll find out, it's a scripture, it's a whole passage of say hello from so-and-so and, um, names that are difficult to pronounce. So we're going to go through it and I'm believing that God has sought something for us today. Amen. He is a good God and thank you, Lord, that you're going to help us today. All right. In fact, I should actually get someone else to read this passage because I'm terrible. Uh, Chris said, Tyler, you should actually get it, write it up phonetically because he knows I struggle with saying the names. Uh, anyways, I'm going to give it a go. If I massacre the names and you're a Greek scholar and you know all these names better than I do, can you just forgive me? Give me grace today. Um, okay, let's go for it. You ready? Colossians 4, starting at verse 7. Tisicus. Sounds good, doesn't it? We'll go with that one. Uh, will tell you, uh, um, will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Uh, he is coming with Onesimus. That's right. Thank you. I was just waiting for your lead. Uh, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything that is happening here. Uh, my fellow prisoner, Articus, or something like that, um, sends you his greetings, as does, okay, I can do this one, Mark. <laughs> yes, got the one right. Mark, the, the cousin of Barnabas, uh, you have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus... Who is, who is also called Justice, so different Jesus, uh, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among, uh, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved uh, comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ, uh, sends, uh, sorry, and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He always is wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vote for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea in Hierapolis. Uh, Our dear brother, sorry, dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings uh, to the brothers at Laodicea and uh, to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see to it is also read to the church in Laodicea, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you have completed your work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, remembering my chains. Grace be with you. What a great passage of scripture, isn't it? I feel refreshed in the Lord this morning. <laughs> Just all these people, greetings, say hello, say Fred, this good guy, this great guy, he's real help to me. He's really blessed, it's a blessing, this passage of scripture. Um, and I know this is one passage that probably most of you memorized as a child in Sunday school. So forgive me if we're going over familiar text this morning. 
because I know you really love studying this sort of thing. However, in verse 12, there is a standout passage in all of this. And it's a standout because of who it is from and the nature of the greeting itself. In verse 12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. Now, the first question is, who is this guy? Is this someone of importance? Why does this stand out? Um, Epaphras is first, we're first introduced to, to him at the very beginning of Colossians. And for those of you who are part of Life Group, uh, we studied this passage of scripture at the very beginning. Epaphras actually was the one who started the church. He was the one who planted the church, and it was him who shared the gospel message with the church in Colossians at the very beginning. He was the one who brought the word. And so in verse 7 of chapter 1, it says, You learned it from Epaphras, uh, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ um, on our behalf. He's also told us about your love in the Spirit. Now, this is, this is the guy who, in, in many ways, is the father of the church. He sends his greeting. Currently, he's with Paul. Uh, and some believe that he actually wrote the letter back to the church. And Paul signs at the very end of it. But he's the one who really has a heart for the church. Now, in all the greetings, he is the one who's wrestling in prayer for the church. Everyone else says hello. Right? They say hello. But he's the one who's really wrestling in prayer for the church. And we see, after we're introduced to him in the, in the final greetings again, it says, he is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. That's what he's praying for. He's wrestling in prayer for you. Now, Epaphras was always wrestling in prayer over this one thing, this was his major concern, that the church would stand firm in all the will of God. Interestingly, it says all the will of God and not just the will of God, all the will of God. He wasn't content that they stood firm in just part of what God's purposes were, but they would stand firm in all of God's purposes from the beginning to the end. The question that needs to be asked, how important is it that we know and understand all the will of God for our lives? How important is it? How important was it for them? And how important is it for us that we understand all the will of God? Is it okay if we have a pick and mix theology? A bit of grace, a little bit of law, a few promises, but a lot of works, a a, a bit of new life, a bit of old life. The problem is, is that we can have a life that resembles godliness to the onlooker, but is empty of its power. We can have a a, a life that looks like we're doing the right thing, sort of, but we don't see the substance of God's presence at work in the middle of it. And this is what was happening in the church in Colos. They, they, They were a church that had received the gospel, false teaching had come in, and they were kind of wrestling with this, that actually the the need for Christ was being diminished and actually they could kind of do their own, they could do a bit of works, they they could live their old nature and they could have a little bit of Jesus and it was all kind of a, a little bit of everything. And that's why Paul writes this letter to define what the true will of God is. Christ is supreme, right? All of one Colossians or the beginning of one Colossians all talking about who Christ is. He's supreme. He's done all these things for us. And then it kind of goes on to how we live this out in holy lives and and living to please him and putting on the new nature that he calls us to have. 
You see, this prayer that Epaphras had for the church is where the letter of Col- to the Colossians begins. Because actually going back to this introduction in Colossians 1, where we're introduced to him, Paul learnt from Epaphras, uh, who was the faithful minister in verse 7. Verse 9 says this. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with what? With knowledge. Knowledge of what? Of his will. What was Paul's prayer at the very beginning of the book or the letter? That God would fill the church. They not stopped asking uh, God that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will according through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Or I think in this one it says, uh, through wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That was the prayer of Paul coming also from Epaphras that they would know the will of God. That's what the book or the letter is all about, the will of God. What is the will of God? That you would know the will of God. You'd be filled with the will of God. Paul said, I have not stopped praying that the church should be filled with the knowledge of his will. Can I just tell you what? For you and I, this is a starting point. Knowing the will of God does not come from human rational thinking. You can read all the books you want in the world, but you're not going to know the will of God by human intellect. It doesn't come by us thinking through and somehow pondering and coming to a place of conclusion in our own understanding. But it comes through the Spirit. It comes through the Spirit revealing to us with wisdom and understanding. Remember that our thoughts are not God's thoughts and our ways are not God's ways. God's ways and His thoughts are different than our thoughts. And so the only way for us to receive the thoughts of God and to understand His way is to be plugged into His Spirit who is where? In us, right? Is to be listening to the Spirit of God who's in, in us. And it happens in three ways. We, we, we receive from the Spirit in these ways. One is we work in the Spirit, or the work of the Spirit is in us, leading us into, into the truth of revelation. And so again, if I want to know God's will, it isn't through reading books that I'm going to discover God's will alone. But actually it's through His Spirit who reveals His will. Right? It comes from His Spirit in us. But His Spirit also points us to the Word of God. And so we can't just take the Spirit without the Word because the Word with the work of the Spirit is what the will of God becomes. It, it, it brings the revelation of His will. You can't take the Holy Spirit and say, oh, I don't, the, the, the Bible's a bit boring, so I don't need the Bible. I just need the Holy Spirit. Because if we just take the Spirit without the, without the Word, we're led into, to error. Because the Holy Spirit will illuminate what His will is. That's why when we read, say, even through the book of Colossians, all of these things are presented to us. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings that word to life to us, that this is what it means. This is the truth. This is, this is His will for our lives. And so the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God, but it's also the cooperation with the Spirit. You see, sometimes I think we come to our relationship with the Lord... We understand certain things. Maybe we were taught certain things, even in our early years as, our, as being a Christian. And we become dogmatic in what certain thought processes we have. And unwilling to change with the revealed truth of God's word. We think a certain way because that's what we were taught. But sometimes those things need to be adjusted. I, I've shared this in the past, but I grew up in a church that we taught grace, but we lived law. And so although grace was, yes, we understood we were saved by faith, but 
there was a big aspect of the law that still was in inside of me. I felt I had to please God by how, how I worked, how I lived my life. He, he wouldn't be happy with me unless I did certain things. And so this whole aspect of living life was about living by the law. And so although grace was taught, we lived law. And for a lot of Christians, that can be truth. A number of years ago, God revealed a greater picture of what grace was. It was all about him. He did it all, so I don't have to. And this understanding of grace was a challenge for me because it interrupted my thought process. Now, if I chose to be dogmatic in my views, I'm not going to change in my perspective, then I do not live out the will of God. I take some of the will, but not all the will. The prayer was for the church to understand all the will of God. To, to live out all the will. So all the will is understanding the fullness of Scripture. But we need the Holy Spirit and we need to cooperate this, with the Spirit as the Spirit reveals it to us. And the willingness to change and listen to what it is the Spirit is saying through the Word of God. And willing to follow. It says in Scripture that He leads us into all truth. Which means if He's leading us, leading means it's a journey. You don't get it all in one go. It's a journey. And finding the will of God is a journey. How many can discover that in your life? Knowing the fullness of the will of God is not something you just download in one instant. It's a journey. We, he leads us into all truth. Why? He leads us on a journey of, of discovering His will. But it's a journey that we need to keep going on. You don't just know all the will of God. Can I tell you that? I don't know all the will of God. I know aspects of it and I'm journeying. That's why the prayer was for the church that they would know all the will of God. There was something that they need to keep growing and they need to keep building in. And the prayer for them uh, in the beginning that Paul had for them, that they would continue to know, right? That they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. But filled is a continual sense of being filled with the knowledge of his will. Do you know what the will of God is for your life? Here's the question. Do we know it? Now back in 1 Colossians, sorry, Colossians 1. There's only one book of Colossians. Colossians 1. Paul goes on to give the value of knowing the will of God. For this reason, as we've read in verse 9, since the day we've heard it, we've not stopped asking for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray this, or so that, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good season. Sorry, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have a great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Paul goes on to give the point. Why do we need to know the will of God? Why, why is it important that you know the will of God? And why is it important that I know the will of God? First of all, he says that we live a life worthy of the Lord. How can we live a life worthy of the Lord if we don't know what his will is? Living a life worthy of the Lord is living a life that reflects all that he is and all that he has done for us. To live a life worthy of him means we live out who he is, and we live out what he's accomplished. That's why Paul goes on to explain, right after this passage, the supremacy of Christ. To live a life worthy of the Lord is to live out from the position of what Christ has already accomplished for us. To not live a life from a position of what Christ has done is not living a life worthy of him, because he died for you so you could walk in freedom. And if you're not walking in freedom and living in bondage, you're not living a life worthy of him. 
because he paid it all so you could be set free. He's done it all so you could walk in a place of freedom and wholeness and, and, and new life. And if you're not living that, you're not living a life worthy of him because he has done it for you, for your benefit. It's living a life of freedom and wholeness and abundance and peace and joy. Living a life of peace and joy and abundance is living a life worthy of the Lord. Because he's made the provision for you and I. It's moving in the power of the spirit because he overcame sin and death and everything that stand opposed to us. It's living a life set apart for the Lord. No longer in uh, to no longer living to please our old nature, but living to please the king. That's living a life worthy of the Lord. But we need to know his will to start with. It's difficult to live in such a way that we please him if we don't know what hit, what, what, what will please him to start with. What is his will? We live a life worthy of the Lord when we, we know and live according to his will. The second value that Paul puts here is that to please the Lord in every way. But he, he defines it a bit. He doesn't just say it to please the Lord in every way, but it's to bear fruit in every good work. First one, bear fruit in every good work. We can't be fruitful in our lives and the fruit that lasts without knowing what the will of God is. What are you supposed to be doing with your life? How do you bear fruit that lasts for eternity that God's pleased with? If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing to start with. It's very difficult. You see, you and I are all on a mission. God has, when we put, put our faith in Jesus, you know, we're not left our own devices to do whatever we want. But God says, I've called you and I have good works in store for every person to do. When God thought of you, he, he thought of a plan. He, he didn't just put you on this planet to kind of just work it out, but he thought of a plan for you as to what your life needs to look like. What are the things that your life is going to bear fruit in? But if you don't know what that is, you're not going to be doing it. And that's why you need to know the knowledge of his will. You need to know what his heart is. You need to know what he is he's saying, because no one can tell it for you. And I, I'm gripped by this, these verses where both Paul and Epaphras are wrestling in prayer for the church, that they would know God's will. And I, I have to gather that this is an important thing, that we would know the fullness of his will for our lives. And one aspect is knowing that what it is he wants us to do in the works that he calls us to live. It's bearing fruit. It's being strengthened with all power. It says, it's being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Strengthened in power for what? Endurance and patience. You know what's interesting? If you know the will of God, it gives us power to keep enduring what we're going through. If you know you're in the center of his will. How many of you can attest to that? If you know that you're right where God wants you to be, no matter kind of come hell or high water, doesn't matter what's happening. If you know where you're meant to be and you're doing what God's asked you to do, it will give you the power to sustain you. You can have endurance. You can have patience. You can keep going because why? You know you're where God wants you to be. You're doing what God wants you to do. And it gives you that that steadfastness because in ourselves, if there is doubt, if we are doing something, we don't know, is this really God? Do you know what? We're very quick to pull the hatch, right? Pull the ejection cord, do something to get ourselves out of the situation. But there's something about knowing the will of God. I remember 
when we moved to Brighton and, and the challenging years, that, especially in the first few years, and everything in me wanted to give up. Everything in me. Even our bank account was wanting to give up. And yet I remember at that season, especially in my life, just knowing we were right where God wanted us to be, so we could not give up. It gave us the endurance. I tell you what, if you know that you're in where God has called you to, if you're doing what God's called you to, then just keep going. Because it's knowing His will that, that enables us to, to keep pressing in, to keep going forward. It's His great power that strengthens us for endurance and patience. Why do we need patience? It's for the impatient situations of life. It's when things aren't going quick enough. It's when people around us are irritating us. All of those things, we need patience. But knowing His will gives us the patience. And what does patience and endurance do? It pleases God. This is the whole point of knowing His will. If I'm doing His will and I'm being patient and I'm enduring and I'm keep going because I know this is will, keep going and being patient pleases God because we're doing what is His, is His will for our lives. Because he knows what's going to work out. He knows the big picture of where this is all leading. The third thing that pleases him in every way is with thanksgiving, sharing in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. It's you and I living in the inheritance, using it, taking advantage of what God has provided for us through Jesus. This is his will and it pleases God when we live in his inheritance. Again, when someone passes away, there's a will. The will is given, and there's usually often an inheritance of some sort. Maybe it's a picture. Maybe, I don't know, whatever it is. But the blessing of a will, and especially for those who are in the inheritance, is living out the inheritance. If someone passes away and gives you a lot of money, now to not take advantage of the money is, not to take a, is, is, is dishonoring the will or the, the inheritance, isn't it? To take advantage of what God has provided through the will is, is pleasing to the Father that you're doing what He's intended the will to do. His inheritance for. Does that make sense? This pleases the Lord. In returning back to the passage where we started, Epaphras said this, or he, he says, He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. This was his prayer. That they would not simply know all the will of God. But his prayer was that they would stand firm. What does it mean to stand firm? Dave, do you want to come here, please? We're going to wake the church up. Okay, I want you to stand firm, okay? <laughs> Are you standing firm? Because I'm going to do something to you that I'm hoping you will resist, okay? You don't know what it is, but you're going to stand firm. Do you think he's standing firm? Kevin, you're a rugby player. Is he standing firm? You, you'll get lower. I, he would get a little bit lower, just a little bit lower. <laughs> Lower center of gravity. Now, okay, now he's standing firm, okay? So you only need to stand firm when what? When there's opposition to that, right? So if I'm starting to push David, right? And I'm, I'm trying to get him off his, his stance, right? 
Okay, no, you need to stand firm, buddy. Okay? Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Okay. The enemy wants us off our ground. Right? You can sit down, David. Thank you. All right. The enemy wants us off our ground. If the enemy can, can, can give smoke screens and all sorts of things that you don't know the, what the will of God is for your life, and you are buffeted about by every thought and reason and, and what everyone else's opinion is, you know what? You're off your game. But if you can stand firm on the will of God and not be moved, you'll see the purposes of God revealed in your life. The prayer for the church was that it would stand firm in it. They would not be moved. He wrestled in prayer that they would be so, they would know the will of God, but they would be so standing firm, so solidified in the word of God that nothing could shake them off of it. I tell you what, sometimes I, I believe for many of us, there needs to be a greater revelation of his will so that we could stand firm in the will. If we don't know the will, we can't stand firm in it. But for those of you who know the will, the next part of the prayer is that we would stand firm in it, that we'd be, that we'd be uh, steadfast in that, that uh, engaged to defend it. Right? Not giving way to wrong doctrine or opinions of others. But there's kind of other two characteristics, just as I come to a close here, is that it would also be mature and fully assured. You know, maturity speaks of depth and completeness. There's a grounding in the believer's life. They can weather some storms. They're, they're no longer fragile, but there's a growing up process. Do you know what? You need to grow up in the will of God. Be mature. Be an adult. Come to the game. Grow up. Be mature. In knowing and living the will of God. You know, there are many believers who come to faith and they live in the infant level of understanding the will of God for them. They maybe choose a pick and mix understanding. They choose to live certain ways. But you know what? God calls us to grow up, to mature in our understanding of his will, to stand firm in it and be deepened in it. To be uh, a, true mature, a, a tree matures as the roots go down deep, right? There's a strengthening in it. And you know, you, for you and I, as we live and understand his will, there can be a growing effect, there can be a maturing effect that nothing can stand against us in that. But being fully assured is the last one, is being made certain, fully confident. We've worked it through in Scripture and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we become convinced of his will. Being fully assured. Are you fully assured of God's will for your life? Are you fully assured? I tell you what, if there's reasonable doubt on different things, you need to get into God's word. You need to get into the Holy Spirit. And God says he will fill you with his knowledge of his will. I like that. Fill. Poured in. Not from your intellect, but from your spirit outwards. The prayer today is the same as for the church in Colossians. To know the will of God. To be filled with the knowledge of his will. You know what? No matter what is happening in your life right now, God has a plan. God has a plan. He has a will. He has a purpose. We can ask him today to fill us, to reveal his will to us. We can ask for that. If Paul could ask for the church, we can ask for it this morning. God, we want to know not part of your will. We want to know all your will. The things that we're wrestling with, God wants to speak. He wants to reveal. He wants to illuminate. He wants to strengthen us in us knowing his will. I don't know about you, but on a continual basis, things come up upon my path 
where I come back to the place of saying, God, I, I need to know your will. I've not come this way before. It's like journeying through, I don't know, a country lane and you, you come to a crossroads. What, God, what is it? What is your will? How many of us come to that on a, a regular basis? We don't know. But, you know, God knows. And he has a plan and he has a purpose. And it's, it's the fullness of scripture, of doctrine, but it's also on an individual basis. He has good works in store for us. He, he's got a purpose for today. He's got a purpose for this week in our lives. He hasn't forgotten about us. But you and I, we need to tap into what it is he's wanting to say. What is, what is his direction? No person can give that to you. But the Holy Spirit can. I want to invite you to stand with me, please. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.